Hey Divine Lantern listeners, welcome back. It's Alana from the Antiochian Christian Orthodox Youth. Under the blessing of His Eminence, Sayyidina Basilios, we present you with the podcast to educate, empower and enrich. In today's episode, we'll be continuing the series on the unseen warfare with a talk by Father Paul on depression and anxiety. And as always, we'll be answering a question sent in by one of our listeners. Before getting started, a reminder to follow the Divine Lantern socials to keep up to date with the details of Father Josiah Trenum's Sydney visit and to purchase your tickets to his lectures. And now to Father Paul. Anxiety and depression in our modern world today seem to be growing at a rapid rate, as many would agree, not just afflicting those older in age and life, but also greatly affecting our youth. To many, anxiety and depression are consequences of the busy lives we live in this modern world. This is true in many ways. However, anxiety and depression have always been afflictions of humanity from the very beginning. The Holy Orthodox Church, through the confessions of our holy saints, sees the causes of anxiety and depression in a very different way to the world and the way the world sees them. The world looks to treat the physical symptoms of anxiety and depression through psychoanalysts and medications. Whilst we believe God has blessed man and the world to medically treat many diseases and medical conditions, and to do good for our fellow man through what God has blessed us through medical science, the Orthodox Church understands the causes of anxiety and depression to be spiritual in their cause. God created man both a body and a soul, the two coming together in the person whom we are. It is our soul and body combined who give us our traits and our qualities of who we are. We are not only flesh, but both body and soul that makes us whom we are as a whole being. It is the condition and state of the person's soul that controls the body and not the other way round. If the soul is spiritually healthy, this also affects the body positively as well. St. Porphyrios helps us to understand this better when he states, Nowadays, people often feel sadness, despair, lethargy, laziness, apathy, and all things satanic. They are downcast, discontented, melancholy, and disrespect their families. Our orthodox faith believes that these states derive from satanic temptation. Pain and suffering God allows in this life, intending to do us good and leading us to love, joy and prayer by humbling us. Instead of turning to God in our suffering to heal us, man turns to the world and to himself to try and heal himself. When man trusts only in himself and the world to save himself, this is exactly what the evil one wants. Man starts to glorify man and man trusts in man to save himself when he can't. The devil takes this power from our souls 
and instead uses it for evil both against us and against others. The consequence is, sadly, anxiety and depression, where the devil torments us and holds us captive, making us psychologically ill and physically manifesting itself in many, many different ways. If man truly believes and totally trusts in God, anxiety is not there. It disappears. Anxiety is an irrational fear of worrying excessively about things out of our control that physically and mentally ultimately paralyse us. The cause of anxiety is not trusting in God. Only Jesus can dissolve anxiety in us. If we truly believe and trust in God, we cannot be anxious. Why do we say this? Because we know and accept God, God's will in his overwhelming love for us. Hence, we do not worry. We totally trust in him in all things and we leave it in the Lord's hands. Man on his own can sadly do nothing. Yes, we have our free will, but man can not save himself. Only God can save man. We must firstly come to God in true humility, in faith and love. Through true prayer and repentance leading us to a sacramental life in God's church, the body of Christ. A most loving and merciful God shows compassion to his creation by sending us the grace of his Holy Spirit to help us and to heal us. Without the grace of the Holy Spirit, the gifts from God, the holy gifts from God, man sadly cannot overcome anxiety or depression on his or her own. Even if we have all things the world can give us, we have nothing without receiving the grace of the Holy Spirit. Man is striving and is called in his lifetime to receive the grace of the Holy Spirit. The opposite of humility, sadly, is our ego and pride and works in the opposite way. Ego and pride work against us an egotistic person does not want anything getting in the way of their ambitions, their desires, and hence not with willing to listen to others nor to God. This pride makes them upset. They react angrily and will be overtaken by depression ultimately. Depression is a very, very sad and dangerous state for any person to be in. The state of depression is cured only by grace. However, depression left alone, without turning to God to heal us, can lead us to a place which is even worse, where the devil wants us to have his way ultimately with us. This state is despondency and despair, where the devil's aim is then to finally destroy us. This terrible state of despondency and despair can lead to many terrible things. Sadly, such as violence, hurting oneself, hurting others, mental and physical breakdown, and sadly, even suicide, which is very much more common in today's age and today's world. Through dedicated prayer and worship to God, Depression will gradually turn into joy as the helper, the grace of the Holy Spirit, 
comes to us and heals us, both body and soul. The blessed Saint Paisio sums up perfectly what anxiety and depression are when he tells us, Those who do not have Christ in them are full of anxiety. But when man grasps the deepest meaning of life, then all anxiety goes away and divine consolation comes and heals us. And when man is freed from stress, then all kinds of people rest near him. Don't worry about anything. Anxiety is the devil. When you see anxiety, know it's the devil's work. When we feel anxious in our struggle, let us know that we are not moving in the space of God. God is not a tyrant to drown us. We can see from an orthodox Christian perspective, only Christ can dissolve anxiety. When we experience any anxiety in ourselves, this is a spiritual wake-up call to us, a warning to us that we may not be on the right spiritual path in Christ that we thought we were. This means we have much spiritual work to do with ourselves, always reflecting honestly on ourselves. Can we see our true failings and our sins which are against God? Prompting us to turn to Christ in forgiveness and repentance that he may save and ultimately heal us. So what can we do in our lives to complement our spiritual lives in Christ if we are to help our anxieties or depressions? Laziness, laying idle, feeling sorry for ourselves and cutting ourselves off from other people and the world is not good for us. Work is a good complement to our spiritual turning to Christ. Work can be in many forms, the outdoors, making things, gardening, and interest in many, many things is good for both body and soul, knowing all things are the blessed creation of God, the creator of all things. This also means surrounding ourselves with holy things, lest we be tempted by the evil one, which include holy vigils, partaking in the sacraments of the church, reading the Holy Scripture and the lives of the saints. The church is a spiritual hospital for those afflicted with anxiety and depression and many forms of struggle and illness. As the church is the body of Christ and Christ is the head of the church, if the members are disconnected from the body, they are not one nor united with Christ. St. Porphyrios guides us well and sums this up completely when he says, In our church, a cure is to be found through love for God and prayer, provided this is done with all the heart. Amen. Thank you, Father Paul. And now, let's take our weekly spiritual dose and reflect on the words of our Holy Naptic Fathers with this week's Philokalic Nourishment. If you want to be free of all the passions, practice self-control, love and prayer. St. Thalassios the Libyan
As we have already said, you should keep your life free from worldly concerns and possessions. You may recognize that grace is active within you when you truly feel that you are a greater shiner than all other men. How this happens, not I, only God can say. St. Simeon the New Theologian Not only does St. Paul instruct us to pray without ceasing and to persist in prayer, but so also does the Lord when he says that God will vindicate those who cry out to him day and night and counsels us to watch and pray. We must therefore pray always and not lose heart. St. Simeon Metaphrastus What are the differences between the common services we hold in the Orthodox Church? In the Orthodox faith, there are many prayer services held throughout the liturgical year. But before we can discuss what they are and their differences, we should touch briefly on what is considered a prayer service. Our prayer can be broken up between personal prayer that we say by ourselves or communal prayer that is said with others from the community. Communal prayer can be with one additional person or with a hundred people. 
For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. What we will be referring to as the prayer services are some of the most common communal prayers, including the Divine Liturgy, Vespers, Matins, Pataclesis, and Compline. Let's begin with the Divine Liturgy, which is most commonly prayed by the community on Sundays and is of course where the faithful receive the body and blood of Christ through the Sacrament of Communion. The Divine Liturgy is translated to the divine work of the people. It is a place where we offer our prayers, our thanksgiving or our Eucharist, and we offer bread and wine. We offer all these things and more that God may offer us back his body and blood. The Divine Liturgy is where the Orthodox faithful are taken from their ordinary lives and are translated to the Last Supper. It is the central act of Orthodox worship in which all other services are a means to prepare for this unworldly experience. The liturgy is often held on Sunday mornings, but it is not restricted in any way and can be held at any given time, unlike the Vespers and Matins. This is because the liturgy does not fall into the daily cycle of prayer which the Orthodox Church follows, but transcends it. You might have noticed that on some occasions throughout the year, the liturgy sounds different, is a little longer or follows a different structure. This is because we celebrate three variations of the liturgy, written by different authors. Ordinarily, we celebrate the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom on most Sundays, and this has become the most familiar. However, 10 days out of the year, including the Sundays of Lent, the Nativity of Christ and the Theophany, we celebrate the Divine Liturgy of St. Basil the Great. The Divine Liturgy of St. Basil the Great is mostly identical when reading it from the community's point of view, although the prayers allocated to the priest are extended, making the service fitting for more solemn and holy occasions. The third variation is written by St. Gregory the Dialogist, also known as the Liturgy of the Pre-Sanctified Gifts, and is celebrated on the weekdays of Great Lent. It has been given that name because of the distinct difference in communion. During the weekdays of Great Lent, the Church is not permitted to hold a normal Divine Liturgy, so to provide the faithful with strength in their fast and spiritual struggle throughout the difficult weeks of Lent, they offer communion with the Body and Blood of Christ that has been preserved since the previous Sunday. The structure of the service is also uniquely different, as it begins with a greater focus on the reading of Psalms and building a solemn atmosphere of prayer. Unlike liturgy, which is not limited to a particular time, Vespers are known as the evening prayers and are prayed in the evening. Vespers is often prayed at 6pm and is the first service of the daily cycle. But how so if it starts in the evening? This is because the Orthodox daily cycle of prayer begins with the evening at 6pm, as it is written in the account of creation. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Because it is the first service of the daily cycle, it contains prayers that remember and commemorate the saint who is being remembered in the following day and prepares us for the divine liturgy, which is why it is most prayed the evening before feast days and on Saturdays. It begins our movement into the most perfect communion with God in the sacramental mysteries. Often during Vespers for great feasts, an additional service is inserted into Vespers called the Litia, 
which is a special service for the blessing of the five loaves, which draws on the biblical account of Christ feeding the 5,000. Matin, similarly to Vespers, is assigned to a particular time of the day. Matins are the morning prayers and opens with the reading of the six morning psalms and the intoning of the great litany. The matin service of the church unites the elements of morning psalmody and prayer with meditation on the biblical canticles, the gospel reading, and the particular theme of the day in the given verses and hymns. It ends with the great doxology that guides the faithful into the divine liturgy. The exception to matins being prayed in the morning are the services which are held during the evenings of Holy Week. The church in the discretion allows for the morning prayers to be prayed on the evening before it to allow the faithful to attend these extraordinary services without interrupting the work and life commitments. The bridegroom services, Holy Unction, Holy Thursday and Holy Friday services are all matin services. They have many different variation and prayers inserted to adequately cater to the holy nature of the week. Nonetheless, they still abide by the same structure. The Compline is a penitential service and is often the last prayer service before we sleep. It can take two distinct forms, the small Compline, which is often prayed at home before bed, and the great Compline, which is commonly prayed on the Mondays, Tuesdays and Thursdays of Great Lent. Within the Compline, we can often insert a canon or a series of prayers for a particular saint or occasion. Some instances we do this are in the evenings before liturgy, where we insert the metalepsis, which prepares us for communion the next day. We also insert the Akathis prayers on the Fridays of Great Lent, which are selected canons dedicated to the Holy Theotokos. Paraclesis is a unique prayer service where the faithful bring all their worries and fears and place them in the hands of God and know that he will take care of them in the way that is best for us. It is an intercessory service where we plead to the Mother of God, the Theotokos, to intercede for us to her Son, our God, to take care of our various needs. It can be prayed any day and any time but is consistently prayed each evening of the 14-day fasting period before the Dormition of the Holy Theotokos. Each service is distinct and serves a different purpose in our relationship with God. Some are prayed at certain times of the daily cycle, and others are prayed when they are needed. But ultimately, they all prepare and lead us to a relationship with God which culminates in the Divine Liturgy. Thank you again for tuning in to another installment of the Divine Lantern. At the beginning of the episode, you would have heard me remind you to purchase your tickets to Father Josiah's upcoming Sydney lectures. These can be bought at akoi.com.au. Tickets are selling fast, so if you haven't already purchased yours, now would be the great time to do so. If you'd like your question answered throughout the podcast, please shoot it through as a voice memo to tdl at antiochian.org.au. And as always, to keep up to date with the latest news about our Archdiocese, make sure to visit the website at www.antiochian.org.au. Have a blessed day and we hope to catch you all next week.